All right, welcome in to this episode of Farzcast. Farzine Vesugian here with you, and it sounds like my microphone levels are very high. Zach, can you just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Are my mic levels high or what? Uh, it sounds right to me. Okay, because it was a little loud in my uh, in my headphones there. So hopefully uh, that's a little better. Uh, what a great start to the podcast. Wow. Uh, and we're doing this live. I didn't do uh, the Woo. podcast live last week, but um, hey, that's how we're uh, we're going to roll, I guess. Uh, my name is Farzine Vesugan. You already heard the other voice, Zach Stegna, my good friend, joining me here on this episode. A lot to get into here on this episode of Farzcast. I see a lot of you guys are starting to come into the live stream now. Yes, I appreciate you guys joining the live stream. Uh, so for those of you who join a little later, you can obviously check the podcast version, or if you leave later, later on a little early, you can check out the podcast version if you miss anything. But for those of you who are here on the live stream right now, if you guys would, please, uh, give this a like, uh, and share the video as well, or give it any kind of reaction you want to give it. And also, uh, comment below. We'll, uh, we'll try to get some of you guys comments later as we, uh, comment on some of these topics we're going to get into. The Kansas City Chiefs, a very stunning week three loss. I have uh, some crow to eat there because I said this would be an easy game for the Chiefs. Obviously not the case. Um, Got to get into that because there are some very, very interesting reactions coming out of this one. Uh, more specifically, a lot of people choosing to play, blame one or two people. Some of the blame is even at a very, uh, l- let's say it's at a, it's at someone none of us ever expected. So I want to talk about that later on the Chris Jones situation. You guys know what happened in that game. There's something I really want to say about that. Um, I don't think it's going to make anyone happy with, with the uh, explanation I have and also the response I have to that, but uh, there is something that needs to happen about that. I'll get into that later on. Other week three reactions, some surprises, uh, some disappointments. We'll get into that. Also, a very special 10-year anniversary tweet. Not going to say what it is now. I want you guys to wait and hear about it. You guys have heard me talk about this in the past. But this Saturday will mark a very special 10-year anniversary tweet. Uh, something that I was somewhat involved with uh, 10 years ago. And also, local college football doing pretty well. KU. 4-0, K-State, 3-1, and uh, KU almost ranked, just one spot shy, Kansas State ranked 25th, we'll talk about that, and a couple other things as well here on this episode of Farscast, episode 77, I see a lot of you guys are in the uh, in the live stream commenting, I appreciate you guys being in there, uh, Jonathan says, Chiefs suck, go Colts baby, okay, alright, I mean, we all have our I guilty mean. pleasures, uh, but a lot of you guys uh, are also uh, commenting as well. Ashley says Sunday is your birthday. Well, happy early birthday, Ashley. Uh, have a great birthday on, on Sunday. Uh, we'll read some of your other comments as the uh, podcast goes on. So please, if you guys haven't, if you guys just got in uh, now, uh, give the uh, video a like or whatever reaction you want to give it. And also comment below. Uh, let us know your thoughts on anything we t- touch on or anything that's on your mind. We'll try to uh, get to as many comments as we can. Uh, hello, Amy. Thank you. Harold says, so what went wrong in Indianapolis? We'll get into that. <laughs> what went uh, right in Indianapolis? Yeah, Sorry, well, did well, I say yeah, that? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, but anyway, uh, my co-host, Zach Stenga, he's done uh, several episodes of the Chiefs Zone with me and also uh, some podcasts of uh, Forest Cast. Haven't, haven't had you on the podcast in a while. How have you been, man? I've been good. You know, things have been, yeah, yeah staying busy, uh, you know, from the work side of things. And frankly, up until Sunday, I mean, both my teams have been having a great start to their season. So no complaints from me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just so glad it's football season. 
Like, here's the thing. You know me. I'm not a big college sports guy in general. And part of the reason is, listen, when it comes to football season, I am locked in Thursday nights, Monday nights, and then all day Sunday, especially this Sunday, because there is going to be a London game in the morning. So from 830 to 10 or 11 at night, depending on Sunday night football ends, I'm doing nothing but watching football, NFL football. So on Saturdays, I like to do other things, maybe watch a movie at home, maybe go out and about. Dude, all my Saturdays and Sundays the past three, four weeks, I've done nothing but just watch football. And I'm actually happy about it. And maybe part of it is because KU is doing well. I'll admit to that. Um, I'm not one of those like KU, like I know a lot of KU fans. I mean, they love basketball and then they go pick like another college football team. Not me, man. Um, uh, I really wanted to get into college football this year, especially after that week, I guess a week zero game, technically when LSU had that blocked field goal. I mean, that was an exciting um, uh, ending to that game, but College football's been uh, been fun to watch. I haven't been able to follow it that closely. I've tried to follow the Big 12 the most, especially on Saturday, uh, as well as the local teams. I know Mizzou's not in the uh, Big 12 anymore, but I like to follow the local three teams. Um, yeah, man, college football, college football and the NFL have been a lot of fun to watch this year. They really have. And, it, yeah, I mean, I think you've seen some of the unpredictability that you get it out of college football. You know, I mean, it's always been more unpredictable than the NFL. That's just kind of a given. But – uh it has been at a much higher level this year. Yeah, I think up until just this past weekend, you know, the primarily, you know, the schools that are primarily known for basketball, right? You've got Kentucky, you know, Kansas, yeah. North Carolina, Duke, you know, et cetera. Uh, yeah, they were all like 3-0 and up until Saturday uh, when KU and Duke went head-to-head. KU came out on top, obviously exactly how we like it. But, yeah, just one of those weird years, man. Um, I'm just checking on something. Listen, uh, because we're doing this live, there's a possibility of some, uh, some little, someone's giving me a little bit of like breaking news in the comments regarding the location of Sunday night football. I don't know if, uh, I've heard it was up for discussion because Tampa's about to get smoked. Okay. I don't think, I think that's just someone, um, I don't Someone know that's anything uh, official yet. Philip Philip says, "Why does it sound like Farzine is imitating Patrick Mahomes when he talks?" You know what's funny about that? That's just his voice. Be nice. You know what's funny about that <laughs> is, um, before Patrick Mahomes got drafted, I I would post like my play by play highlights on YouTube, and all the comments were mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I didn't know Kermit the Frog did uh did uh, uh football games or anything like that." Mm-hmm. Ever since Patrick Mahomes came to Kansas City, I have not gotten one Kermit the Frog joke. I mean, maybe that's a cool thing now, or maybe he. Maybe all that Kermit attention is on him. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not trying to take credit for any of that. But, uh, you know, actually, <laughs> someone did tweet me. They're like, dude, you sound like Kermit the Frog. And I responded to this person. I wish I had the screenshot. I responded to the person. I said, yeah, I used to do the voice. And then Michael took over for the next eight years. And they're like, oh, cool. I'm like, dude, I'm kidding. I'm, I was never the guy. But Yeah. I didn't have that uh, fun. No, you know who you really sound like. So I was driving back from Springfield this past weekend, went down to watch uh, Missouri State and South Dakota State play. because I got a cousin who plays for South Dakota State. Uh, And I was listening to the Kaufman Corner podcast that Saren Petro and Ronnie, uh, Rennie Jezza yearly. I screwed up. Oh, I know who you're talking about. You sound like him. That's who you sound. Really? (laughs) Yeah. When you listen to. Yeah, I listen to it. You guys definitely have the same timbre. I, I I know I know of him. I I believe he with the name. I, I've seen his name before. I, I, listen, I don't follow his work. I'm not saying it's bad or anything. I, I'm just not a baseball guy. Oh, he does great work. Um, yeah, I, I've heard. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. So I I, I can I'll, I'll take your word for it. I mean, it's kind of obvious if he's been doing it for such a long time. But I believe he's Middle Eastern. Just from looking at his name, not 100 percent sure. But 
yeah, good to see a uh, Middle Eastern out in the uh, local area doing some uh, some big things with um, with local sports. But anyway, enough of that. Let's get into things because Sunday was a very disappointing day. Uh, I'm glad I didn't put any money on this because, well, actually, I lied. I did put this as part of my parlay, but it was free money. Uh, so wasn't my money, that's for sure. Uh, look, uh, the Chiefs had a really embarrassing loss on Sunday. Maybe the most embarrassing loss, not the most devastating. I mean, the most devastating loss would have to be uh, any of the blown leads in the uh, in the playoffs we've had, the three big ones under Andy Reid, um, as well as the uh, AFC Championship against the Pats. But this one, the most embarrassing for sure. Uh, a lot of reasons. Uh, the, the Sky Moore muffed punt, the Matt Amendola missed kicks, which he got released, and they brought in uh, Matthew Wright. Uh, oh, we did bring in someone. Yeah, yeah, he used to play for the Steelers and then the Jaguars. He was 21 of 24 last year with the Jags, I think. Uh, listen, the, the offense was not in sync. Terrible play calls, especially on that last play where Mahomes threw the interception. I, I don't know what play call that was, but it was a terrible one. The drop pass on the end zone from your best pass catcher and best tight end in the NFL, the Chris Jones penalty. So many things happen in that game, okay? Uh, a lot of people are pointing the finger at one guy or two guys. Chris Jones is the guy taking the most heat from it. And, and here's the thing, Zach. When it comes to football games, a lot of people forget about the first 55 minutes, and it's usually the last five minutes that get talked about the most. And listen, I get it. When one game ends early, CBS or Fox will change um games so you can see the tail end of maybe one of the marquee games out there so a lot of people just tend to usually remember the last few minutes of a game uh i mean look at the loss last year against the ravens everyone got on clyde edwards a but they never wanted to talk about the terrible defense that took place mm-hmm. in that game um the d4 recency bias is a stinger yeah yeah recency bias late late, late game moments uh, sure a bias um the AFC Championship game with D Ford. Uh, I mean, everyone talks about D Ford, but no one talks about the defense giving up 13 of 19 third downs or the offense being shut out in the first half. Um, I mean, so many well, yeah, other examples. It's exa- easier to scapegoat D Ford. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lynn Elliott game. Look, obviously, Lynn Elliott's the number one blame, but the team only scored seven points. A lot of people, don't get me wrong. Yeah, the guys that a lot of people like to blame, yeah, they should have done their jobs, but it, it always goes beyond more than one guy or the refs, as a lot of people like to uh, go to. But um, a lot of people, and by the way, we'll get into the Chris Jones thing a little later on because I have some some thoughts on that. Uh, I still maybe, want to know what he said. Maybe some explanation <laughs> uh, that I can uh, provide here. Maybe some something that people might not agree with or like, but it's one of those, it is what it is type of things, but something needs to be done about that kind of thing. And I'll say what later on, but for the purpose of this, uh, the start of this uh, topic here with the chiefs losing a lot, of, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there's a group of chiefs fans. And I don't know the percentage of chiefs fans doing this. A lot of people are calling for Eric Bieniemy's job or they're absolutely wanting him to be replaced this uh, off season, regardless of whether he gets a head coaching job offer or not. Let me just say this. Um, Zach, you know my thoughts on, on Andy Reid. Uh, I did a segment on the Chiefs zone several years ago, a few years ago, uh, where I criticized him and said that, look, if this guy doesn't lead you to a Super Bowl, he should be gone. Now, the Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl that year, but there was a pattern developing, and that pattern still exists today, even after back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. Um, but Once here's the thing. For 25 years of his career. Yeah, yeah that long, too. Longer but, than that. But the thing is, I saw Jeff Allen tweet this, and I saw uh, Michael Eaves of ESPN also tweet this as well. 
a lot of people, when things are going right, Andy Reid gets a lot of credit for it, followed by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. But when things go wrong, like the AFC Championship or Sunday's loss, a lot of people point the finger at Eric Bieniemy. And listen, this kind of, and I, I hate to make a political reference because I know people don't want to hear politics, but if I can for like five seconds, it kind of does remind me of politics where when things are not going right, the leader does not ever want to take the blame for it and wants to deflect all the blame and blame other politicians involved. But when things are going well, they want to take all the credit for it. And by the way, I'm not yep. making references to anyone. This goes for every it's, leader. It's every politician period, yeah. end of sentence. Um, in this case here, a lot of people are pointing the finger at Eric Bieniemy, but they only do this to him when things are going wrong. Uh, I know there was that back and forth between him and Mahomes before halftime. And listen, I don't, I don't know why you have to take sides there. Um, I know a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people did. Th- I know there was a rumor about the AFC championship. What happened? What did it happen? I know there was a gambling expert that um, had some inside information on this. You know, these insiders, Zach, I mean, they have all kinds of uh, information out there. Uh, and then there don't was a wrong. Blog- I think the gamblers always do know something. Let's be clear. Yeah, the lines are too efficient for them. Uh, But there was a there was a blog out there that followed up with that and kind of got on top of those things. But the the bottom line is this: I mean, there have been rumors about Eric Bieniemy, what he has done, and uh, you know, no one really knows specifically who the play caller is. Even though we've seen many times Bieniemy, he covers his mouth with the play sheet and he's trying to get a play call out there. So I'm sure he's doing some of it, and I'm sure Andy Reid does some of it as well. But I just don't agree with this notion that Andy Reid gets the praise, the coaching praise for a win, but anytime the team loses, Eric Bieniemy gets the blame. Uh, yeah. w- what's your reaction to that? So I think that yeah, the main reason I think Bieniemy gets the lightning rod, at least for this particular week, is because you could visibly see you know, he and Mahomes were disagreeing. And in this case, it seems a pretty easy you know, conjecture that you know Mahomes wanted to go for it there at the end. I think he's already been quoted saying as much. And Bianney was like, nah, just take him to the locker room. We'll get him in the second half. Yeah, I think that that's the main reason that, you know, for at least for Sunday's sake. But across the board, I think you're absolutely on point that it doesn't make sense that there's that double standard there. Either, you know, he's calling the plays or he's not. And he deserves the praise when things are going well, or he doesn't. And I, I think that it's kind of silly for us as fans to pretend like we know. And like, oh, yeah, that would make perfect sense. Like, Andy's never going to make mistakes. So, of course, Eric Bieniemy must be the one calling plays when things go wrong because that makes logical sense. Come on now. Like, that's silly yeah. to me. Um, yeah, I think that it's you – know, look, they have a hard job, plain and simple. Yeah, you know, yeah. They And the other piece of it is that, you know, Andy and you know, Bieniemy, those two – all they can do is call the plays. There's still 11 guys responsible for making that shit happen. Any one of them screwing up can make it fall apart. No, I I, I certainly agree with you. I mean, look, you, you win as a team, you lose as a team. And look, I know at the end of the day, Andy Reid will say he takes responsibility. Uh, Mahomes said, hey, look, on offense, we missed opportunities. Chris Jones took responsibility for, for his uh, mistake. Um, so every, I, what, what, it's nice to see the self-accountability um, rather than pointing fingers, even though that could be done easily. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But at the end of the day, I, I think here's the problem, because anytime the Chiefs lose a game, especially a game like this, a lot of people get upset. And I think the problem is, and I think it's valid and understandable if you're upset, but you've got the head coach who's been around a long time. I mean, him and mm-hmm. Belichick, 
they're the most tenured coaches in the NFL, head coaches in the NFL right now. Um, they're both in the top five, and if I'm not mistaken, top five or six in total wins in NFL mm-hmm. history for a head coach. Yeah, and then you got... the only two of a genuine crack at it. They're well, don't get me wrong, some of the younger guys absolutely have a crack at breaking the record too, but they have a lot more road to hoe. Oh, yeah, they get yeah, there. yeah. Like Belichick and Reed are the only two who have a crack at the all time record as far as coaching wins. But, but it, it, you have that, and then you have who a lot of people will say is the most dynamic quarterback in the NFL the best mm-hmm. tight end in the league. You you have all these things going for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is when things don't go right, um, people are shocked, understandably so, especially after a game like this, when you have all this uh, talent, both coaching and uh, personnel. And I think people just don't, I mean, maybe they want to blame the lowest guy on the totem pole. I don't know. Maybe Eric Bieniemy is that scapegoat, as you said. I know that's been said by some people as well, but it's just, listen, I don't know why he's not getting a head coaching job. I know LaShawn McCoy. I mean, this is the second time this year he's he's been chirping about about Eric Bieniemy, but a lot of people have, have come to his defense. Uh, I know Tyreek Hill in the offseason came to his defense. Uh, Jamal Charles recently. I mean, he's been uh, sparring yeah. with some fans online coming to his defense. Yeah, he popped but, out real quick after Shady went after him. Yeah. Um, I, look, I, I I don't know what LaShawn McCoy's deal is, uh, but but in terms of listen, I know there's this loyalty. Thing with Andy Reid, but if really there were there was this much conflict with the enemy, do you really think he'd be brought back? No, zero chance. I mean, I mean that's the thing. Like, listen, Andy Reid, uh, and I'm not saying other head coaches tolerate this, but Andy Reid does. I mean, the, the guy doesn't tolerate these kinds of things. Um, yeah. He's always been a guy that people have loved to play for, so I think you can trust he'll always have a good coaching staff. Maybe they're not exactly like him personally, but yeah. if you, if you love him, I, I mean, what is there to hate about the rest of the coaching staff? Bob Sutton, maybe not the greatest coach out there, but people like the guy. I mean, there was never a bad thing about him. So, well, except for the defense, but yeah, except yeah, I, I'm talking on a personal <laughs> level though, but um, look, it's just weird to me that one or two exchanges. And I know he and um, the enemy and Mahomes went at it last year once um, in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelsey once shoved him. I mean, that thing happened once before, uh, but then they quickly hugged it out. Uh, look. Well, and that's the thing is it's just a personality difference. Like you're not going to yeah. see Andy sparring with any of these guys. Cause look, Andy's just not that combustible guy. It's not his thing. The enemy has a little bit of a hotter head. That's abundantly clear. Uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. They, you know, they're these are guys who, you know, especially in the case of Bienemy. Bienemy played in the league. You know, he, you know, is as competitive as they get. And that's not to say that you have to be hot headed to be competitive. Far from it. But that is a way that it tends to manifest. And guess what? Mahomes, Kelsey, also pretty hefty competitors. And so every now and again, if you're in the heat of the battle, people are going to say shit. That's just how it goes. And you know what? You flush it and you move on. That's exactly what they've done. Angel uh, commented, said he, uh, LaShawn McCoy didn't play in the Super Bowl. That's why Shady is upset. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. Elaine has an interesting comment. She says the offensive line didn't play well. I think Joe She's absolutely on point. They did not. The defensive line of the Colts kicked their ass and no one's talking about it. I, I think Joe Tooney maybe had his worst game as a chief. I can let that slide because... More times than not, he has a great game. Even the best players have an off day. That happens. But you know who hasn't made any improvement whatsoever is is um, Orlando Brown Jr. And it's just weird because no. he won a top dollar at his position. 
and the Chiefs were willing to give him almost uh, the number one, not, not the number one uh, paid uh, uh, contract, but close to it, um, which I, that actually upset me even more. Thankfully, he declined. Um, this is a guy that I think he has, and I hate to say one guy, because because you guys saw what I said early on. I don't want to blame one guy, but when it comes to the blind spot of a quarterback, uh, if it's a right-handed quarterback, which that's the case for a lot of them, mm-hmm. you, that's got it. That's a very important position, um, and I think that plays a big role. Um, yeah, they made a whole I, movie about it. Come on, they, l- listen. Uh, I know we don't worry about that stuff right now, but general managers and scouts they keep an eye on these things. I, I I don't I don't have any interest in seeing the guy. I don't even want him franchise tag. Look, I know you traded a first round pick to get him. Just take your loss and move on because if you tag him, I don't think anyone is going to realistically give you anything worth uh, trading for uh, for him at this point because he just hasn't played very well, especially for the price that he's asking. The Chiefs have got to – I want that change now because I think there's still potential with this team. It's just that is holding the Chiefs back a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, I think – here's the trick, though, is that – so you're, you're absolutely on point with the importance of the position. Um, and the problem with that is, is that, you know, look, realistically, is Orlando Brown going to be the best tackle in the NFL? No, probably not. I don't think that's, you know, I, I don't think he's got that. And let's be honest, until Trent Williams retires, you know, he's got that uh, moniker until further notice. Uh, it certainly is the best left tackle in the NFL. Maybe David Bakhtiari from the Packers could you know make a claim to it as well. But there's like five guys who are genuinely elite at the left tackle spot. It's an incredibly difficult job, and you got you've got guys who are making you hundreds of millions of dollars across you know across the line of scrimmage from you, and it's their job to make you lose. Yeah, that's the yeah they only beat you a few times a game but they are paid handsomely for the times when they do. Uh, and that's, you know, you look at the left tackle position as a whole. I mean, I'm trying to pull up spot track here on the you know, backside here, just to you know, give an idea of the loose, you know, idea of uh, you know, what people tend to spend across the league uh, for the left tackle spot. And it's, I mean, I know it's hefty. I'm trying to find the data to back me up here. Uh, yeah, I mean, people but... <laughs> got to keep in mind right tackle and left tackle, uh, massive price difference, massive mm-hmm. price difference. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and don't be wrong, that's not entirely fair that it's that big of a difference, but uh, it's the reality of things. Uh, yeah, the other thing that I would just say here is that so if you look at the you know top paid, you know, and for 2022 cap dollars, right? You know, top paid, you ain't the top guy. That ain't how it works. <laughs> um, not anymore. Um, you know, the best guy in the league, like I said, Trent Williams, he signed a long-term contract. Obviously, they you know, backloaded some of that, so he's going to ascend those ranks. Um, and frankly, Orlando Brown's already top five as far as, you know, total 2022 cap dollars. Um, yeah. Yeah. The others, Garrett Bowles is number one. He's the, you know, Broncos left tackle, $21 million a year. Not that great. He's not worth that. The guys who are worth it, you know, there's probably three or four. Um, you know, there's Trent Williams, you got David Bakhtiari, you got, you know, I think Taylor Decker is a solid one. Laramie Tunsil is a solid one. Actually, Laramie Tunsil is one for us to keep an eye on, I would think, because I'm pretty sure he's out of contract at the end of the year. Um, and he could slide right in. It'd be expensive, but worth it. Uh, but, you know, point is, it's 
if you've drafted a fantasy football team ever, you know that there's two tight ends who are way better than everybody else. That's the left tackle spot in the league. And so every other team has to pay up a little bit of a premium just to make sure they don't have a bad one because we've seen what that looks like. Yeah. There's a reason we traded for Orlando Brown in the first place. I know that was a little rambly, but look, the guy is a perfectly average left tackle, probably an above average run blocking tackle. Uh, Yeah. He is a good run. He's a damn good run blocker. Yeah. Uh, Not that we use him for that, but you know, we could. Um, And I would say that, yeah. Yes. Does he have work to do on the pass rush? Does he is he vulnerable to speed rushers? Absolutely. We all saw it, and we are going to continue to see it. Uh, let, let me just say this to, to to wrap things up for for in reaction to that loss. Um, look, it, it's just one loss ultimately, a bad one, albeit. Yeah. Uh, but every team, uh, every good team, uh, will have a game or two that they drop that they shouldn't drop. I know players will say, "Hey, there's no such such thing as shouldn't have because it's the NFL." But let's be honest, there are games they certainly should not lose. Uh, this happened to be one of them for Kansas City, and it came early in the year. I'm sure Buffalo is going to drop a game that they maybe shouldn't lose. Same thing will happen to Miami later on. Um, it, I mean, it'll happen across the board to uh, to all the good teams. They'll lose uh, a couple games. One of them might be to a bad team. That'll happen uh, to every team. That, uh, in fact, yeah. uh, the Chiefs lost to the Colts in 2019 when they probably shouldn't have. They went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So to it's be not fair, the in that case because we had a Mahomes hurt. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. But yeah. this one we just beat ourselves, and I think that's why the fans are so frustrated. My my, yeah. my point is, you know, it's not the end of the world. If you look at all the betting odds out there, and I know you're into this stuff, the Chiefs are still <laughs> number two behind Buffalo across all the betting platforms. And also ESPN's FPI, their football power index, mm-hmm. their top four is still the same. It's the Bucks, the Bills, Packers, and Chiefs. That was the order last week. It's still the same four teams this week. The only difference is the Bills and the Packers are flipped. So the Chiefs are still in the top four uh, of that list. It's just, uh, it's a little different. My, my point is, even though the Chiefs had an embarrassing loss, these odds makers and analytics, they don't care. So the Chiefs, you know, in what was supposed to be a very competitive division, which is off to a slow start, uh, the Chiefs are still leading. And mm-hmm. um, I think they'll be just fine. So let's relax a bit. They'll be just fine. By the way, before we move on to the Chris Jones thing, I completely forgot to start on the podcast. We did hit uh, 40,000 followers uh, a couple hours ago, so I appreciate everyone who did uh, invite their friends, all the people joining the page, whether you joined today or you joined uh, 10, 11, 12 years ago when I started that page. Uh, so much appreciated. Much love to all you guys for showing all the love and support. Uh, as I promised, we'd be giving away a Patrick Mahomes jersey now. Uh, I also said the winner can pick the color and the uh, and the size. So, uh now, the details of that, we're going to wait on that because we still have the fly giveaway we're doing right now. Let's get that over with, which is uh, going to be tomorrow night uh, at 8 o'clock, less than 24 hours. Uh, and then we'll uh, I'll give you guys the details about the Mahomes jersey giveaway. So we'll get into all of that a lot later. Uh, but the Chris Jones deal. Um, look, let me just say this. As soon as he got close to Matt Ryan, when he got up from the ground and got up to Matt Ryan, I knew right then and there, a flag was going to be thrown. I thought it was going to be a taunting penalty. It ended up being an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Disagree with the call all you want, but it's in the rule book, and the Chiefs should damn well know this because mm-hmm. Trey Smith last year was flagged for the exact same thing. Uh, he got penalized for holding either that or an eligible man downfield. He got upset about the call and lashed out at the referee, and he got flagged for shouting at the referee. And who knows what he said? We don't know. But it's just in the rule books. You you can't do that. Listen, 
The Chiefs have been guilty of multiple taunting and unsportsmanlike conduct calls. The taunting penalties have gotten more coverage because Tyreek Hill was responsible for a lot of that with the celebration. Um, and I know, you know, pointing at someone that happened with Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year. Um, it's happened. I know that happened before with Reggie Bush. He pointed at Brian Erlacher once on his way to the end zone years ago. Um, whether we like it or not, the league has a very, very strict policy when it comes to taunting and when it comes to unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Uh, let me say this. I disagree with the speed limit in certain streets. Uh, there are rules at work, school, dormitory halls. Uh, maybe some of you guys were in a, um, in a fraternity or a sorority. Uh, there are a lot of rules there that not everyone agrees with. Maybe there's a policy being put into place you don't agree with. But bottom line is... There are rules out there, whether we like them or not, and this is one of them. Now, we don't know what Chris Jones said. He says he doesn't remember, which I don't really believe, uh, but still took responsibility for it all. Matt Ryan didn't really give away much about the interaction, the back and forth there. According to the refs in a full, uh, pool report, um, it was, quote, abusive language. So take that for what you will. Um, maybe it was an FU. Maybe it was a derogatory term. I don't know. Uh, but it has a lot of people upset. Let me just ask this. Because I can listen. It's part of the rules, but it's also interesting because there are a lot of things. Listen, I remember there was a Chiefs-Raiders game in 2019 in Oakland. Uh, a Chiefs player, uh, after a punt, was close to the Raiders' sidelines, and a Raiders player shouted, word for word, he goes, fuck you, you fucking little bitch. That's what he said to one of the Chiefs players. Um, I don't think, you. I mean, unless you're threatening to kill someone you can't really say much worse than that on the field that that listen the microphones pick up a lot of things and they also don't pick up a lot of things so i don't know what chris jones said but we've heard bad language before we've seen worse before and for it to not get penalized so here's where i'm going with this why isn't roger goodell doing a weekly press conference or a teleconference or zoom conference whatever because players and coaches have to do it some of these players, the key players, actually do it more than once a week. Um, because here's the thing. Every week, something comes up in the NFL. Uh, multiple things come up. And I think the problem is the coaches get asked about it right after the games. And then less than 24 hours later for, the, for their Monday press conference, they get asked about it again in hopes that the media can receive some sort of a clarity or an update on certain situations. But at the end of the day, the coaches really don't have – uh, much to offer uh, than what they said 24 hours ago. So the only other person that can maybe provide some sort of an explanation or clarity, even if we don't agree with it, is the commissioner. Imagine being the commissioner and you have the ability to provide a lot of clarity on these issues and you pretty much refuse to do it. The only time Goodell makes himself available to the media is towards the end of the regular season, Super Bowl week, and draft week. And I really wish the NFLPA fought for this even more because – you have players and coaches that are required to do media, but the guy who runs the league, when there's confusion about a lot of things uh, that come up each week, he doesn't have to answer for anything. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, you know that he's only trotted out there to be the, you know, when it comes to the media, he, he's trotted out there to be the bullet sponge for the owners whenever they need him to. Um, but the rest of the time, he enjoys the same level of anonymity that they do, as long as something isn't going terribly wrong. And so, you know, is that right? No, probably not. Is that even across the board? 
not even a little bit. You know, when you consider all the other major stakeholders of the league, it's kind of nonsense that way. And when you're judged during an execution or when it comes to player discipline, I do think that you'd need to be a little bit more accountable to them. But let's be honest, the commissioner and you know, league is not going to give the players anything more than they negotiate ever, period, end of yeah. sentence. Um, same way that you know Rob Manfred's not going to give the MLB PA anything more than they negotiate and probably even less. Um, yeah, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Is it right? Obviously, you can hear in my voice where my opinion lies on that, but it's the reality of the situation. I think that some of these rules, you know, the you know, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for you know saying some of this stuff, like I'm sorry, I I maybe I'm a little old-fashioned over here, you know, where you know, I grew up where they told you sticks and stones, break your bones, words don't hurt. Now, don't get me wrong, I get that that's you know, starting to shift as well. But at the same time, these are grown-ass men playing a very rough sport. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, you can chirp all you want. You know, the rule that I would look at is like, okay, yeah, you. I know that they have, or at least I'm of the belief that the NFL has put some of these rules in place to curb some of the fist fighting and things like that that take place. As far as I'm concerned, I don't give a shit what they say. Yeah, just, yeah, you can't hit the guy for it. Yeah, you can get him between the lines and when the whistle's blown, but at, once the whistle blows at the end, you quit. Like, it, it's a competitive sport. I get it. People getting, you know, like I said, going back to the Eric Bieniemy and Mahomes thing, you know, people say shit in the heat of the battle. That's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's stupid. It's asinine, the fact that that's a 15-yard penalty the same way yanking someone's face mask is. Like, that's the piece of, like, I'm not saying that the rule is, yeah, the rule is the rule. And Chris Jones is certainly not off the hook for, uh, you know, the fact that he should have known that the rule's the rule and kept his mouth shut. For sure. Yeah. Like, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that piece where, again, if we've all we've all been made aware that these are the rules, you can't bitch about the fact that you didn't follow them. Like, that's yeah. just silly. And, and a team like the Chiefs that have dealt team. with, they, they've dealt with taunting and unsportsmanlike penalties before uh, i'm only throwing taunting in there because i thought it was mm-hmm. going to be a taunting call and i think these two kind of are the same in some way um but uh, th- again the Chiefs have been guilty of this. Call too. um it, it's just you you the chief should address these things with the team and be like hey listen up we've we've been in trouble for this before let's not let this happen again so yeah it is a little weird but uh, a couple comments here uh Ida says he just said kind of like what you were saying earlier. Uh, there's a flag for everything. Yeah, there, there kind of is. And yeah. it's it's just dumb. the problem with that piece, like just for a quick, quick moment here. The one problem I do have with the fact that there's a flag for everything is that when, you, when there's a flag for everything, there can be a flag thrown on every fucking play. Every single one. Yeah. I mean, frankly, you, know, you look at the interior of the offensive line. I guarantee you across those three guys, the two guards in the center, one of them is holding on every play. Promise. Guarantee it. Now, yeah. is it doesn't always get caught? Oh, it almost never gets caught. Certainly not in the interior. And the flag only really gets thrown when it's egregious as a general rule. But I think that that's the part about this that you know, is a little bit frustrating, right? Is that you know that there's chirping going on elsewhere on the field. He just didn't happen to do it in front of the ref. So, boom, there it is, 15 yards. I think that piece is a little dumb. Like, also, know your audience. You know, it's the same way that, you know, if you're growing up, you know, yeah, I bet you you didn't smack farting right in front of your parents. Now, did you? I'm <laughs> sure that's how it, you know, come on now. Like, there's no way. 
um, you know, that's just how kids are. <laughs> uh, David says if he doesn't, referring to Roger Goodell, if he doesn't have to face the media and or the fan bases, then he doesn't have to take responsibility and is too protected to be held accountable. Same for the refs, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I mean, he's right. But but the refs, at least they do like a little pool report, which I don't agree with. But it's better than nothing still at the end of the day. They- I think the refs should have a postgame press conference the same way everybody else in the in the game does. That's my personal belief. Now the rest of you will I, never, I don't, I don't ever agree to that. I don't. But I think I, they should. Yeah, they should. Um, and listen, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, the refs are after my team. Listen, I've seen yeah. people on Twitter who are constantly complaining about the refs in these KU games and how the how the refs hate KU and how the refs hate the cheat. Like, just drop it. To man. be fair, Every- in the Big Twelve, it's fairly consistent. Distant, there's home field refing and it goes all the way across that board. The, the, listen, uh, the bad calls happen to every sports team, and every sports team gets away with calls. It's just people only mm-hmm. talk about it when you don't you don't win. I guess. when it's egregious. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the way yeah, that K State fans got all mad the year that uh, you know, Sfi had a what could be charitably described as a euro step. Oh yeah, also known as like a five step drop uh, to win the game at the end, like. That's a perfect example of the Big 12 and its home field refing. It's a you know thing. what's funny? Kansas State calls in Fieldhouse that are nuts. Same way that K State gets them in Bramlage. It's just how it goes. It's yeah, silly, that, but no, one hundred percent. I don't agree with it. Listen, uh, when the last year KU MU played in twenty twelve, when they played at MU, it was a block. Shut up. Um, there were no, no, no. I mean, listen. Here's the thing: at MU uh, in uh, Columbia, there was a call that Mizzou got away with. I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was. But it was a really obvious call down the stretch late in the game. Mm-hmm. Listen, KU got uh, two weeks later. KU got away with a call. Okay, and yeah. again, KU it's fans. Bill Self has even gone on record saying that yeah, realistically, the way that the officiating went, each of those teams should have won the last game at the other's place. Uh, now, obviously, this has been ten plus years gone by. But my my, my point is this: KU fans only complained about the bad call in the first game where they lost mm-hmm. and MU fans only complained about the call in the, um in the second game where they lost. So mm-hmm. let's say fans only bring up the refs when it doesn't go in their favors. Um, I'm just not to blame the refs guy. Should they have clarity? Yeah. It, listen, let me say this. It's not, I, I would not want to be a referee for one, the, uh, the, the post game. Uh, what do you call this? The, the, the volcano of vitriol criticism that you get yeah. with this. Um, but also it's a very tough job, man, especially like MLB umpires during the summertime. Oh, They're yeah. not on the, on the sidelines sitting down. They're on the field. The entire, when, when it's fourth down in the chief's pond, or if they score a touchdown, Patrick Mahomes is going on the sidelines, sitting down, getting a drink, t- taking pretty much resting. The refs mm-hmm. are on their feet the entire time. It's not an easy job. So I'll no. always defend the refs in that manner that look, they can get pretty tired late in the game too. Um, not excusing the uh, the, the poor uh, execution of their jobs and all, but um, it is a very tough aspect. And I think people need to keep that in mind for sure. Agreed. Well, and the other part is, is that the one piece that I would absolutely defend referees for here is that, look, they're making calls in real time with their eyes. They're, you know, calling it just that instant shot. On now, the we field have too, the benefit, whereas... Yeah, on the field. Yeah. Whereas we get to see it from the camera angle above, and we get to see it like three or four times. Like the number of times I've been sitting watching a game 
where I'll find myself saying like, oh yeah, that's that's touchdown for sure. And then you go in and they do the replay. It's like, oh, just kidding. I was wrong. Yeah. Thankfully the refs do review that now too, but it is important to remember that when these guys are, you know, making that initial call, they're just seeing, you know, with the naked eye, what you and I get to see, you know, in replay multiple times in 4k, right? Like it's just anyway. Yeah. And listen, there's a reason why coaches, if you ask a specific X's and O's question in post game, they never answer it because they're on the field. They didn't have the greatest angle of it. And they usually will give a better answer after they study the film. So there's that to keep in mind as well. So look, I I, I just wish there was I I know a lot of people may not like the explanation to, to all of that whole Chris Jones thing, but it's really the best uh, you can really say about that. You got to know the rules end of the day, whether you like them or not. Um, Zach, I'm curious from you, if there was like one or, or two big things you could really take away from the NFL three weeks into the season, what would it be for you? Man, parody's a thing. <laughs> like that's, it's nuts to say, but like, there's not really too many bad teams. Like the teams that I was thinking that, you know, oh yeah, that's going to be the first pick in the draft for sure. I mean, even some of them have come out and gotten wins or, you know, in the case of the Texans, almost won against these Colts that we lost to, you know, whatever it happens. Um, I would say that the other thing that has been an absolute shock to me um, across the board is the uh, really the quality of two teams, both the you know, former Alabama quarterbacks, Heisman winners, I believe in both cases. I don't know. Two one one, didn't he? Oh man, you're asking the wrong guy when it comes yeah, to. Uh, I'll, I'll double check. I'll double check. Uh, but on it was, that. yeah, it's the Eagles and the Dolphins, right? Um, you know, the Eagles have been substantially better than I think that I really anticipated. Um, you know, they've got, you know, just an incredible offense going and Jalen Hurts has really taken a step up, uh, not just as a runner, but as a passer as well. So that's been a surprise to me. Uh, uh, and by the way, I never would have bet on Tua. He, he's never he's never won uh, the Heisman, but he's won like a couple of player of the year awards. Uh, so he's he, he, you, you may okay. have been thinking about one of those things. Man, I know Hertz won it, but he did it at Oklahoma, if memory serves. And let's be honest, yeah, Tua took his job, you know, won won the title game and all of that. Um, I did not see Tua coming quite this way. Um, the other team that I didn't really you know, anticipate, you know, being as competent as they've been, because let's be honest, from an organizational standpoint, that's just not something they've been known for, is the Jaguars. I yeah. really did not see them coming. Um, and yeah, frankly, it's, yeah, I had so much confidence. I mean, so obviously, you know, we're doing this here from Kansas, uh, which we just got sports betting. This is the first NFL season where we've had sports betting the entire way. I will tell you that I was so confident in my week one picks. And then, you know, ever since I've just been like, oh, well, great. Yeah, just some of these things that you didn't see coming. Uh, you know, who knew that Russell Wilson was going to be absolute crap for Denver uh, and that their new head coach was going to be similarly crap or that the Raiders wouldn't manage to win a game yet. Like, I would not have bet on any of those things coming into the year. I think it just goes to show that, man, the NFL is unpredictable and the parody is real. Yeah. I would say my biggest, I mean, the Dolphins being 3-0, um, certainly. And I will say this, by the way, to your point about the Jaguars, I think Doug Peterson, if he keeps this up, he could be oh, the yeah. front runner for Coach of the Year. I know a lot of people are saying Mike McDaniel. But here's the thing, Mike McDaniel, and don't get me wrong, he deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing right now. Um, he's taking over a team that still finished above 500. Now, we know what happened in Miami with Brian Flores and all that drama there. Um, but he's taking over a team that finished above 500. So I think he has that a little easy, whereas um, Peterson's taking over a Jaguars team that was just a complete mess last year. They fired Urban Meyer 
before the season ended for obviously various reasons, but the tipping mm-hmm. point was the uh, whole situation with the kicker. Um, so, I mean, that's just something they had to do. And Doug Peterson to take a year off. And I know he dealt with a lot of things personally and to be fired by the team. You uh, won a Super Bowl with, with, by, by the way, he did it with a backup quarterback and Nick Foles. And like um, not all that long ago. <laughs> yeah. And he's out there in Jacksonville, really changing the culture and actually proving to people what Trevor Lawrence is all about and all the hype he got coming out of college for sure. Um, Janine says both the Eagles and the Dolphins. Yeah, we have, we have, we, you mentioned the Eagles a little bit. They've been pleasantly surprising so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who else has been a surprise in a negative way? I mean, maybe not from our standpoint. Every Raiders fan came to my page and told me a lot about how they were going to be great and how they were going to dominate and all these great things. Dude, not only are they 0-3, and I listen, I know a lot of people are saying, well, they're one play away from being 3-0. Yeah, that's true, but there's no... There's no like, there's no category for almost winning games. You either win them or you lose them. And there was this, I don't know if you saw this. There was a report that Josh McDaniels went into a, a closed interview room, closed door meeting with uh, Mark Davis. Dude, you, listen, I, I, I Charlie Weiss did a good job in New England with, with Brady. Um, not a good head coach, but um, he came to Kansas City and proved he was a good offensive coordinator. McDaniels took over and I think he got a lot of respect. Listen, it's so easy to succeed with Brady, but when you have the turnaround, the Patriots did last year after a slow start and you go to the playoffs with Mac Jones, I think that certainly uh, a lot of people had respect for McDaniels and that's what earned him a coaching job. But man, as a head coach, he's just not cutting it right now. Um, They're not finishing. And then I saw Dan Orlovsky today, Really do a good job of pointing out Derek Carr just, you know, every, Raiders fans keep saying he's not the issue, but he pointed out all not these plays. The solution either. He pointed out all these plays where he is just missing Devontae Adams wide open, a guy who he has a rapport with. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the Raiders are just a complete mess. Um, it's just, I mean, it's good to see, but it's also like, dude, this team did have the biggest offseason acquisition in, in the offseason. Um and I just repeated myself there, but you get the idea. And Josh McDaniels, I think this was a great opportunity for him. Man, he's not getting anywhere with this team. Yeah, I I mean, it's one of those things where uh, I'm just picturing Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live, right? Where it's like, you hate to see it, but more than that, you love to see it. Because <laughs> um, sadly, that's totally where I'm at with this team. I just think that, you know, it, it goes to show, frankly, one thing in particular. And that's the fact that, Look, the the changes that Oakland made in the offseason, um, specifically Vegas. when it comes to right, yeah, sorry. I knew what you meant. One of these days I'm gonna get that through my head. Same way that I called the Chargers San Diego earlier. It's like I'm gonna get that through my head eventually, but today doesn't appear to be that day. Um, but no, what I was getting at there is that if you look at the changes that they made in the offseason, they made some major upgrades at some major skill positions. Emphasis there on skill positions. Yeah. Where did they not make as many uh, improvements? Their offensive line that was kind of crap before, you know, and it has not gotten better. Uh, And so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend uh, Derek Carr here either. I don't think he's, yeah. I I think Derek Carr is, you know, what Kirk Cousins was for the Vikings, except actually I think Cousins is a little bit better. That's not totally fair. 
but you know, he is a perfectly average quarterback. If you've had bad quarterback play and we've had that here in Kansas city, you know, yeah. Call it towards the end of the Pioli era, right? We would have been very happy for a Derek Carr to come to Kansas City. Oh, for sure. Uh, so I'm not trying to totally bash the guy, but that guy also doesn't get you to the Super Bowl. He just doesn't. Um, and yeah, I think that realistically, I think that the Raiders are more likely going to be in the top five picks of the NFL draft next year, as opposed to actually you know turning it around and making the playoffs. They could prove me wrong, but I am betting on it. Marcus asked an interesting question uh, in response to our uh, comments about the officiating in the NFL. He asked, does the NFL release officiating reports like the NBA does? They kind of do, and I can't remember the name, but there is uh, the vice president of officiating in the NFL. Zach, do you know the name by any chance off the top of your head? Uh, no, but Google, I'm sure, can tell me real fast here. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to look it up. But there is a uh, there's someone from the league. Oh, it's Mike Pereira. Uh, no, 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 oh, no, it's not. He's, he's with, he's with first. Fox or NBC, one of them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to look this up. Okay. For some reason, Al- Facebook. Alberto not... Riveron. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. It is him. Um, he does weekly interviews. Um, but 99% of the time he just defends the refs, uh, whatever. Co- well, listen, yeah. uh, remember that Marcus Mariota fumble forward progress, whatever, uh, you mean, I mean the touchdown he threw to himself? That one? No, yeah, that game. But he, the moment where he had the forward progress when it should have been a fumble, mm-hmm. that game or that moment right there, um, I, I know uh, Gruden. That was his last uh, game as a broadcaster, I believe, uh, and he was defending the call. And then, like two minutes later, they're like, "Oh yeah, we just got a call from the um, from the league saying that uh, it was the right call on the field." It's like. The league will always protect the refs with these kinds of things, uh, even if, if it's the worst call. Um, why? I'm pretty sure it's in the contract. Like, like I'm probably. reasonably confident of this. Yeah, it's weird, like, man. It's just it's silly, but it's a thing. Like, it's the yeah the unfortunate cost of doing business. And again, as we've discussed, it's not you know a uh, it's not a job that I would sign right up for. No. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit of college sports here. We'll get into KU and K-State because they're having um, a really good season in college football. Uh, but before we get into that, Zach, uh, there was a tweet uh, this Saturday, 10-year anniversary, a uh, very special tweet from a former KU football coach. Now, actually, you and I met 10 years ago because that was mm-hmm. my first year uh, transferring to KU, and you were a freshman that year. We met. Yes. Uh, you were assigned to do sideline for um, the first KU game that year, and I was assigned to mm-hmm. do play-by-play, and we hung out before the game, kind of got to know each mm-hmm. other, and uh, it, w- w- which always helps because uh, if you've never met someone, you can establish that rapport before the game. And I was still yeah, getting you to and know. You and Strafen, if memory serves. Yeah, it was it was me and a, a different story, but Pat was there. Yeah, he was uh, the spotter for that game. But oh, that's uh, right. I, I was still getting to know a lot of the students because I was a tra- like I said transfer student. So a lot of the um, radio students who were returning, a lot of them had known each other. Where I was still getting mm-hmm. to know everyone. Um, I just remember being completely amazed that like yeah, I was fresh out of high school, and next thing I know, I was on the sideline for the first game. Like wow, this is neat. Like yeah, you just walk up to a booth and next thing you know they hand you a microphone. It's have like, you ever on, been on the go. field? Have you ever been on the or not the field? Have you ever been on the uh, uh the court for uh, Allen Fieldhouse? Uh not during a game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been I, I all have around fun. that facility previously. And I mean I guess for a women's game, just kidding. I did do that once or twice for KJ, but um, I never called a men's game. I did for like pregame a men's game, and it's like 
the lights are just a lot brighter when you walk across. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> like, they're it's, a lot it's, bigger in person. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're getting sidetracked here. Um, okay, <laughs> so 10 years ago this Saturday, good old Charlie Weiss, who we just mentioned a few minutes ago, he wrote a very interesting tweet. Now, for those who may not know, Charlie Weiss, of course, uh, former Patriots offensive coordinator, was great there. Went to Notre Dame, didn't do so well, got fired, went to the Chiefs for a year, uh, left on his own term, slash got into it with Todd Haley. Uh, and part of it was because he wanted to be with his son who had just graduated from high school. So he went to Florida to be the offensive coordinator there, and his son uh, coached alongside with him. Then he comes to KU after KU fires Turner Gill, and they give him this massive $2.5 million contract. Now, personal thing about Charlie Weiss, um, he's got a daughter who has autism. Um, So let me just keep this very short because this this is not the point of the story. Um, In Charlie Weiss's contract, he gets uh, free flights from Kansas to Florida. The reason for that was uh, because of his daughter's um, special needs uh, situation, she went to a school in Florida while he was with the Gators, and she was making a lot of progress with her um, uh, with her uh, autism. And so because of that, Charlie's wife and daughter stayed there while he and his son moved to Lawrence to coach. Mm-hmm. So in part of his contract, he got $2.5 million, and one of the notable things in his contract uh, was that he got free flights to and from uh to and from Florida, as well as his wife. Um, so that was in his contract. But $2.5 million a year. This guy only won what? He won one game his first year, three his – two or three his second year, and I think two his last year. Does that sound right to you? Um, I don't know how many he actually got to win that last year because he kind of only got half that year. Let's see. I think he won six games altogether, if memory serves me right. Yeah, it, it was six games. Yeah, it could be right. Anyway – um charlie uh, Weiss, six and 22 six and 22 i was gonna say six and 21 um uh and so one and 18 in big 12 play boy woof. yeah that was bad uh by the way full disclosure so in 2012 uh i was um one of the two uh beat writers for um for the football team for the student newspaper in uh, at ku which was i was really excited about because um that to me, like, even though I, the basketball team is way better, I just love football way more. And I really wanted the football beat, um, especially because I was excited about Charlie Weiss. Zach, weren't you? I mean, at the outset, I was ex- I was more excited by the recruits he brought in the door. Let's be honest. Yeah, he brought in five star quarterbacks. So we had never had one of those before. Yes. Um, <laughs> obviously went famously. Uh, but <laughs> you know, that was the part that I was more excited about. I mean, I thought that. You know, who knows if he's going to be able to, you know, he, he brought that Notre Dame pedigree, right? I figured it couldn't be worse than Turner Gill, which, you know, oops. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, yeah. I just realized uh, I do have the picture. I need to bring that up. So for those watching the live stream, I want you guys to see this live. Let me quickly save this on my phone and then text it to myself because this does need visual context. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast version, I will try my best to um, to paint the picture uh, as best I can. Uh, Zach, I'm sure you remember this. I am sending the text to myself right now. Anyway, we're dragging this topic on for too long. Charlie Weiss was very upset at the student media 10 years ago this Saturday. So here's what happened. Background. Um, the Jayhawks lost to Rice, 
Zach mentioned many times it was a side dish they lost yeah, to. Yeah, we lost to a side dish. And they also lost to uh, Northern Illinois, which at, at the time it was an embarrassing loss, but Northern Illinois went on to actually um, to go to the Orange Bowl, I think. Yeah, that but, was the year that they actually turned out real good. But at the beginning of it, we thought they were going to be crap. So that yeah, was still and, a bad loss. And KU blew two leads uh, to those, uh, to those uh, schools I mentioned. KU was getting ready after the Northern Illinois game. KU was getting ready to face a very stacked K-State team that had Colin Klein as their quarterback. Um, K-State was eventually ranked one that year, but lost uh, their last game of the season and missed out on a national title. But leading up to that K-State game, during Tuesday's press conference, there was a reporter who asked Charlie Weiss, because Weiss even said, he said, look, even when it, even in coaching in every other category, they're better than us. And somebody asked him, he said, would it make the team feel somewhat good or or would there be some optimism if they at least made it close weiss responds and goes i'd rather lose by a hundred well you damn near did almost you could have at least because the score was 56 16 i'm going to repeat that later on um because here's why uh thursday of that week the preview for kuk state ku student run newspaper ran a preview and i'm trying to uh, oh, I'm on Facebook, I just realized. I need to go to Zoom here so I can pull it up. Um, KU student-run newspaper ran a headline, and it was labeled Roadkill Ahead. I'm trying to figure out how you share on here, Zach. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, share, screen. share screen button? Yes, uh, thank you. Okay. It was called Roadkill Ahead. Can you see this? Yep. Okay. Um, A couple of... Uh, Reporters out there nationally saw this and they were very offended by it. And then uh, Charlie Weiss picked up on this and he tweeted, team slammed by our own school newspaper. Amazing. No problem with the opponent's paper or the local media, such as the Kansas City Star or the Lawrence Journal World. You deserve what you get, but not home. So essentially what he's saying is he wants student newspaper to basically be a PR firm for the uh, for the team. Now, for those who don't who uh, are listening to the podcast version, for the uh, University Daily Kansan, the student newspaper, for their front page, it says "Roadkill Ahead," and there's like a there's a transformer like wildcat shaking a goalpost, and there's a baby Jayhawk hanging on for dear life. And there, the rest of it you can see. For those of you watching, you can see the article below it. It's written by a reporter named Blake Schuster. He and I were the two uh, student reporters for KU football that year. So there's that. I have this on good authority, even though the players never answered any questions about this, um, because there was another, there was someone from the student uh, radio station who did play football, but quit that year before the season. Um, He still knew a lot of the players and he confirmed to me, they were very, they, they, they took it to heart that, that front page. Um, which surprises me because these are big, tough kids who, you know, let's be honest, they bully the nerds in school and in, in high school and all that shit. So they're upset by this headline. Charlie Weiss apparently told 610, hey, I'll I'll take care of it. You guys stop talking about this. And so he tweeted it. Now, things got a little weird because the Kansas City Star came to our defense. 610 came to our defense. Then it got national. Uh, USA Today, Deadspin, Yahoo Sports all came to our defense. Um, when they did that, the KU football Twitter account released a couple of tweets from Charlie Weiss. Keep in mind, at the time, Twitter only was like 120 characters, so it was a lot smaller at the time. So they had to release more tweets on this. They released a 
statement, I, I'm air quotes, statement from Charlie Weiss saying he respects the student newspaper and uh, that they do a great job. Then they deleted the tweets, and I wish I took a screenshot of it, but I didn't. Here's my point in bringing this up because student newspaper, uh, student journalists in general, which I was one, Zach, I know you did, you weren't a journalist per se, you weren't in the journalism department, but you did do some student media. Mm-hmm. Your point, the point is, you want to create clips, you want to create uh, articles, audio clips, TV clips, so you can show to future employers. And l- listen, it's not easy getting a foot in the door in the, in the industry. Trust me on this. I have classmates who struggled making it they it took a long time for them to make it some of them made it right away uh maybe based on people they know that can that can happen but it is very difficult to get a foot in the door i was very lucky it took me about three months but weirdly enough within three months i got three jobs one from bleacher report one from 610 one from the lj world none of them paid well that's why i was working three jobs plus my full-time job um yeah i i, I had no life after college <laughs> Um, anything to pay off the student loans and a new car. But um, the point is they're trying to create clips. And for Charlie Weiss, who's been around the block for a very long time, wants the student media to be cheerleaders. And by the way, a couple people took Charlie Weiss's side. I'm like, why? You don't want journalists to be honest. Here's the thing. Journalism can be a very weird thing. And I know in politics, it took a weird turn a few years ago. It's just, if they say good things about you, great. But if they if they don't say positive things, depending on your perspective, whether it's sports or non-sports, they, they get upset and the media is the villain. Well, let me ask this. You you were there, obviously. Not not mm-hmm. there directly, but you were a student at the time. What was your reaction when you saw that tweet and all the reactions that followed after it? Honestly, I just thought it was funny because of the fact that, let's be honest, that would have blown over if he hadn't made a big deal out of it. I, I 100%. That's the part that made me laugh the most. I mean, don't get me wrong. Was it? Yeah. Do I understand their frustrations? Yes. But at the same time, like, it's a college newspaper. Like, don't be wrong. There's a lot of good people who have come through that. And I'm sure a lot of good people who are coming through it now. Yeah. Uh, But it's a college newspaper. These are college kids. You're being paid two and a half million dollars a year to coach their counterparts and try to make it so that maybe there's something on the field that would make them not write that. And also, if memory serves, it's not like the piece beneath it was a major hit piece or anything. You know, it was just the, you know, calling the spade the spade, which was okay. that K-State's a juggernaut and Kansas is probably going to get their asses kicked. Real quickly, you, you bring up a very good point. Um, in 99% of newspapers, the writer, unless the writer is also the editor, the writer does not write the headlines, which, by the way, in student media... There are a lot of lazy students there that write the most terrible headlines. That's a topic for another time. Um, I, I could really go on and on about that. Funny quick story. KU uh, won a doubleheader. Um, but for whatever reason, whoever edited my story in the headline, they wrote that KU split the doubleheader. Even though in the first sentence, I said that they won the doubleheader. Uh, it, lazy journalism uh, from students. But anyway, um, the, the writers do not write headlines and they don't write they don't draw the illustrations either unless you're a one-man band which no newspaper out there is there's there are a lot of moving pieces there are a lot of different people involved with one article um i think that gets forgotten about sometimes or maybe people just don't know probably a little of both 
Yeah. Anyway, continue on with your uh, reaction to the whole thing. Oh, I just yeah, I just remember thinking that it was again, it was kind of funny. You know, I was a college kid at the time, and like, yeah, was it a little on the nose? Like, yeah, would it? Do I understand where you know the team would have been a little frustrated by seeing that? And like, yeah, that probably didn't feel great if you're a player there. I get that. I really do. Uh, by the same token, like, man, they were really good, and we weren't. And like, yeah maybe laugh about it first. I don't know. That's usually my first impression to most things is like, all right, let's find the funny there because there's probably plenty to be found. Um, and in this case, I think the biggest funny is the fact that, oh yeah, I'll handle it. You know, I'll make it go away. Except no, you're going to make it into a national story by you know opening your mouth. Like, come on, dude. Um, like, use your brain. So, so, you know, all the newspaper bins across the campus, they have, they have plenty of these across mm-hmm. the campus. Um, some indoor, some outdoor. I know Johnson County. Not Johnson, anymore, they don't. <laughs> yeah, things have changed over the years. I heard it was down to two times a week. So when yeah, I joined. Like the, and probably just for like basketball games too. Yeah, probably. Got to have uh, something to rip off the throw. When I joined, they had just gone from five times a week to four times a week. That's why we had to put our previews on Thursdays, mm-hmm. uh, which was a little early, but that's just the way it worked. And then uh, I heard it eventually dropped to two times a week, but now you're saying it, it's only once in a while. So that's Couldn't crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, they have all these newspaper bins across the campus, at least when I was there. Somebody actually got a picture of the, uh, or I got a picture of it, but they took the screenshot of the front page and it, it's very terrible lettering, but in uh, black, it says KU needs a new newspaper. They put it on one of the newspaper bins, which I thought was funny. It's like, listen, um, they were right. It was literally roadkill ahead. Like KU lost 56-16 to their in-state rival. Like that was an embarrassing game. By the way, do you remember that game? Charlie Weiss was going for like fake punts and all kinds of crazy shit in that football game. Yeah, no, I do recall that game because uh, I happened to find myself in Manhattan the night before uh, oh, going well, to visit some friends lovely. who were out there. Um, and yeah, that was the first time I learned that, man, these people are really, really nice out here at Kansas State until they find out where you go to school if you go to KU. <laughs> then they're really, really just assholes about it. Um, and, you know, it's not like I was out there, you know, parading around, you know, wearing the Jayhawks saying, oh, we're going to kick your ass for I was like, not even a little bit. Like, I I think it was fairly common knowledge that that wasn't going to go well. And it didn't. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do recall that game where, like, it was actually not terrible. It, it was not a terrible start, if memory serves. Um but it got out of hand real quick. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, so real quickly, the aftermath about all of that, because it is very interesting. Um, so shortly afterwards, Charlie, uh, uh, not Charlie Weiss, um, one of the uh, SIDs, uh, the PR person uh, for KU football, I don't want to give out her name because she doesn't have much of a platform to really defend herself. And there was another person involved with it too. I, I don't want to give out their names, but... Because they, they were labeled, they got some nasty labels online, which I did not agree with. Um, they pulled Blake aside before one of the press conferences. And I was not there because I think it was fall break. And I told the guys, hey, look, I'm going to be home. I'll watch the press conference from home and I'll write something. But um, they told Blake, they said, hey, listen, if you ask a question because of this headline, coach is going to give you a different tone, which I thought was complete bullshit. Um, and Blake, rightfully so, took that to the editors and the higher ups in the journalism department and they had his back, which rightfully so, but man, um, they immediately wrote about the fact that he was essentially getting bullied and, 
USA Today and all those media outlets I mentioned, they actually wrote follow-up stories talking about how he was getting a different tone. And as soon mm-hmm. as the national media wrote the follow-up story, dude, KU, to, uh, I mean, they backtracked real fast and apologized about everything, which... Well, yeah. Because uh, again, was we're talking a, you know, as you said earlier, you know, the, the man who's getting two and a half, I think, million dollars a year plus free flights back and home, back and forth home to Florida. Yeah. And one of the most prominent, you know, faces of your university brand versus a generally anonymous student beat writer. Like, come on now. You know what's weird is um I was told by my editor, he goes, Hey, listen, Blake's taking a lot of heat for this, but I received word that KU football wants to talk to you. Don't talk back to them. I'm like, no, I'm going to. I don't care that I'm a student. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't write anything. If they're mm-hmm. going to take anything out on me, I'm going to ask them to give me a valid reason why. Now, it turns out that never happened, which I'm glad because I actually had a good relationship with one of the uh, PR guys from KU football because I also was the PA announcer for KU soccer that year. And he was also the PR person for soccer as well. Um, some of these PR guys in college sports, they do multiple sports. So one guy might do basketball and he might also do swim and dive at the same time. He might do football in, in the fall and then he'll do baseball in the, in the springtime. So um, that's kind of how that works in, uh, in college sports. Um, but anyway, my, my point is um, I, I had a good relationship with them because I was, I was actually an employee of KU athletics doing PA announcing Um so luckily I never had to cross that bridge because that's not something I wanted to do. And I, I didn't do anything either. Uh, no one really did anything wrong. Everyone just did their jobs. <laughs> so um, I, I will say this, and I told you this before we started recording and going live. It's not like the most exciting thing that's happened to me, but it's one of the, I was not directly involved with it, but I saw everything happen. It was one of the weirder things I've, I've just seen. Let me put it that way, because well, sure. sports in the media, there's always that crazy relationship, sometimes a negative one, sometimes a good one. Um, but man, um, I remember uh, going home for Thanksgiving that year. I got a lot of questions about that from people who I knew. <laughs> a lot I'm of questions. Sure. I mean, not not not, not like and they were they were like pressing me up against a wall for questions. They were just like really really curious. I'm like, I think that's just a long goes story. To show, like that's the other nature of the. Uh... Yeah, nature of the beast, right? Yeah, everyone wants their spin to be, you know, at least in like, frankly, I think that's kind of part of the job of the PR types. Uh, yeah, it's their job to try to make sure that those stories are as friendly as possible. Yeah, even though that's like not necessarily a fair job to give somebody. I know you weren't a journalism studio, but what did you study? I, I can't remember what you said. Business. Studied. Business. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was communications. There was a there was another radio host who wasn't a journalism studio, but did communications. So. Yeah, l- listen, the student media is a lot of fun at KU. I did mention sometimes the headline I bet writers... you they're having a lot more fun with it now. Oh, uh, 100%, yeah. Um, especially with the football team. You know, it's interesting, because I heard Todd Lebo on A-10 talk about past coaches before this. And he mentioned with Charlie Weiss that he probably should have been a lot better, but the real reason he took the job was to help elevate his son's coaching career, which he's now an offensive coordinator. And that did work. Yeah, it did work. I mean, good on them. Um, it is kind of disappointing that the Weiss era just was a failure, but man, uh, people have been waiting patiently for a while. And now you look at KU football, they're four and oh, and they've beaten some good teams week, week one, who the team they beat, I can't even remember who they beat. You probably Tennessee remember Tech. Tennessee tech. Yeah. Not the most impressive win, but man, I they mean, have scored. They did exactly what they needed to. They boat raced that team. 
they've scored 40, I want to say 45 points in every game so far this year. Uh, with the exception of last weekend, yeah. How many points did they score last week? Last weekend, I think they only got 35. Oh, okay, okay. No, I, I, only 35, which is only, only, only the years that you and I were there. Football. I think we would have killed to have 35 on someone who wasn't like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, you know, one of the patsies that we would have played against because let's be honest, we didn't hang 24 on a side dish. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But but listen, what's happening with, with that football? By the way, I'm, I'm jealous because I really wish I was there to cover that team or at least be a student at that time. And I really hope mm-hmm. students there are cherishing this because – you never know when it could end, especially with the rumors out there about Leipold, uh, which is, uh, well, we could talk about that another time. But, man, it, it's just nice to see. And, 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 look, here's my reaction to all of this because Weiss didn't work. Les Miles, of all people, did not work. Um, David Beatty didn't work. And that's a guy who was a wide receivers coach previously. Uh, before He was such a good guy. guy. He was a I good really guy. I really liked yeah. him. He was just a good dude. I but, wanted him to win so bad. But I think – you know, you just had to get lucky at some point and find that diamond in the rough. And eventually Leipold ended up being that guy. And look, I don't know specifically what he's doing that Weiss could not do that miles could not do. And I know there was that off the field issue with miles and they have to get rid of him and rightfully so, but man, they figured it out. Leipold's got it figured out. And if he's if he stays here, man, um, this is gonna be a team that's gonna be very good for and competitive, hopefully for a while, because the way the whole Mangino era ended was such a disappointment to the point where a lot of people actually regretted seeing him get cut because of what happened with Weiss yeah, and Miles. Ten years in the desert afterwards. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. The thing that's kind of crazy about this year that yeah, you know, the thing I, I am or one of the things that I'm most impressed with. Is uh, Jalen Daniels. So he's the quarterback. Yes. And he's actually like in meaningful Heisman discussions. And that's nuts. Like to have a Kansas quarterback you know, there and have his stats actually make it pretty clear that he belongs there. That's pretty nice. It's a new change for us. Uh, but the thing that I wanted to highlight most about that. So Jalen Daniels comes in. He plays his first year for less miles uh, behind the worst offensive line in football by a pretty wide margin. I don't know exactly how many sacks the kid took, but he was a 17-year-old true freshman, fresh out of California, didn't have a lot of offers. Uh, and next thing you know, he's yeah takes a, well, almost a redshirt year. Uh, he ended up pulling the redshirt there at the very end last year. But yeah, the kid, yeah, the, the amount of hits that that kid took his first year would be enough to give most people the yips. Um, yeah, the case of the yips that I'm sure would never go away. And instead, he has stepped in and absolutely crushed it. Uh, you know, has really taken on the mantle of leadership and also has just done a nice job leading this team to yeah, one of the best offenses in the nation, uh, both from an efficiency standpoint and a scoring standpoint. Like they are absolutely crushing it. Um, it is really, really fun to see. Uh, and to see that sort of resilience, I think, is really awesome. Uh, and obviously, uh, the coaching staff that they brought in, I think that that's the biggest difference is that uh, so the Leipold, yeah, he, his background, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise if you've really dug into his uh, background. He was the head coach at Wisconsin Whitewater, which, to be fair, is yeah. D3. But at the same time, D3, you don't get to give scholarships. There's only academic scholarships at that level. Uh and six out of eight years as the head coach, he won the national title for that level. 
doesn't seem like an easy thing to do from where I'm sitting. Uh, no. Then he goes to Buffalo and in two years has them going bowling. And this is Buffalo that absolutely collapsed post Turner Gill. Um, yes, I remember that. Uh, but it's true. Small uh, world. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things that yeah you look at his pedigree. And frankly, the other part of it um, that I think really needs to be said is that the staff that he brought with him, a lot of them, they've been together for years and years. So it's not like he's just building a staff on the fly. These are people that he knows, trusts. You know, they know exactly what is expected. They know how to come in and fill their role. Um, and frankly, the other piece of this that you know, doesn't get talked about quite as often is, yeah, I think that in order, when you think about people who are giving credit for KU's turnaround, it's Leipold first, which makes sense. Uh, then you get Jalen Daniels, which again, makes sense. Coach, quarterback, go figure. Uh, and then offensive coordinator, uh, Andy Kotelnicki, who is, again, when the offense is this good, makes sense. You give that guy the credit. But uh, frankly, the biggest like you know, change that I've seen um, comes from you know, both the strength and conditioning coach, who I think is, you know, that's your program tone setter. I think that that is one of the most unsung and most important roles in all of college football or probably football period, end of sentence. Um, but then the other one is the offensive line. I remember watching the very first game of the Leipold era. Um, I went down to Lawrence to watch. It was Kansas versus South Dakota. South Dakota is not good. Not good at all. Uh, And the offensive line could not muster a push. They just were getting smoked. And part of it's a new system. You know, they didn't really have a full offseason to put it in. All of that. Totally understand what happened. But to watch the transition that has taken place and the way that the team has clearly gotten better Uh, And they clearly got better over the course of last year. And obviously now that we're seeing some of the fruits of those labors, it is awesome to see. It is nice to have Kansas football be fun again. Yeah, it is, man. And listen, don't get me wrong. Like I love basketball just as much as you and every other KU fan out there, but it's just, to me, I've just always been a bigger football fan and I've Mm -hmm. always hated seeing that, you know, football has not always been so successful there. Um, They obviously have not only has it not been successful, it's been downright horrific. Yeah. Um, listen, I know Weiss had this, like he, he would always use the basketball team as like part of a recruiting tool. And I, and I think they all do, by the way, it's just, I was familiar with Weiss the most. Cause I covered him during most of his time at KU, but, um, you know, all these different coaches that came in, tried something different. Um, what Leipold's doing is working right now. And to me, it's like, you know, again, the whole Nebraska thing and maybe Arizona state pops up as a potential uh, team that might steal Leipold. Um, Hopefully not, but man, Nebraska and Wisconsin are the two that have been most consistently rumored. Well, listen, here's the thing. We get it as KU basketball fans because KU basketball will always get the top tier guy. KU football doesn't have that luxury. So I don't know what can be done. I don't know. Listen, Maybe this sounds dumb. Maybe this sounds like a good idea. Whenever it comes to doing whatever you need to do, whatever pitch you need to throw to make him stay at KU, I would 100% include Bill Self as a part of that, that team. I mean, you gotta. He's the biggest guy in the state of Kansas. So, uh, you know, that may not be the only selling point. Don't get me wrong. But, man, I would be devastated if, if this guy left because your football team – I hate to say it would be going back to square one. Um, that's what that's what scares me the most right now. Mm-hmm. It's like now that we have this, it it's already being talked about, being taken away, which sucks. 
Yeah, which means we just got to enjoy it while it's here for one. But the other yeah. thing that's a nice change of pace. Um, I mean, look, the the one part I, yeah, when you were starting about Charlie Weiss thing that I didn't mention, but I thought about it, was the opening press conference. If you recall, produced one of the greatest, most accurate quotes that turned out to be prophetic for an athletic director's tenure, uh, which was to say Shanzinger, when he first brought on Charlie Weiss, he's like, yeah, I set out to find the best coach for the University of Kansas, and I came back with Charlie Weiss, which was, again, meant in earnest at the time and is now hilarious. Uh, I did not know where you were going no with that. That is no longer the case with the KU Athletic Department. We've got, you know, we've got a real one in there now, which is a nice change of pace as well. Um, it's amazing to me, like, yeah, seeing how quickly things have turned, uh, it is amazing to me how long it was so bad and just the sheer number of times we had to put the scope on to avoid missing our foot. Um, and we hit our foot with a plum every single time. That was, Uh, that was bad to see that now turned around. I'm here for it. I liked, um, by the way, David, thank you on the, uh, congratulations for the 40 K. Um, yeah, it's just, man. Um, I was so excited for them to be ranked. Yeah, they do. Listen, I don't have an issue with K-State being ranked ahead of KU. And I'll be honest, I I don't follow all of college football close. It's just so hard to do. I don't even think even the voters, um, listen, those West Coast teams, they hardly get love. And listen, I've heard heard voters admit that on the East Coast, they're tired. I mean, they've already, Mm -hmm. their quota for college football, I mean, they've met their limit and they're, they're done for the day. So, those games that come on at 9, 10, 11 o'clock on the East Coast, I mean, they're just – they're not having it. Um, There's a reason SEC bias is real. Yeah, uh, but but here's the thing. Listen, I know K-State lost to Tulane, uh, but you you said this earlier, Zach. Recency bias does win, and yep. beating the number six team, I think, gains you gives you a little bit of favor. But mm-hmm. look, there if there was a, a, a top 30 KU would be 26 so it's not like KU yeah. has been forgotten about it's very early um but man these bull projections i saw one that has KU i can't remember his name um but i saw KU versus Alabama for one of the bowl games i'm like wow yep, for the sugar bowl and like in a million if you told me before the year KU would face Alabama in a bowl game i would say dude bet your fucking house on the line yeah but, here we are. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still don't think that that's ever going to actually come to pass. Like, don't get me wrong. Kansas is good. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy this ride as long as it's here. <laughs> and I genuinely am not going to count them out in a single game moving forward. Not one. Even the Oklahoma game. I mean, last year we took Oklahoma to the wire and it took a ridiculous play by Caleb Williams that, you know, he, there was forward par- progress, but whatever. I digress. Uh, we had Oklahoma on the ropes is the point of that statement uh none of those teams scare me anymore marcus says oklahoma is probably overrated again i don't follow yeah, they're college. always overrated it's oklahoma yeah, I suppose i don't know i see again i don't follow college football that closely find me a, a team who has more consistently made it to the playoff and absolutely crapped down their leg i think i think the thing about the i've heard a lot of people say this the big 12 is just, is just so wide open kansas i know they haven't beat a ranked team but they have faced three solid teams uh, duke mm-hmm. was just undefeated <clears throat> Excuse me. Houston um, had K- been ranked the week prior, and then they lost to somebody else. I forget who. Yeah, K State just got ranked. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting uh, conference 
and KU has a lot to do with it. So it's funny. Uh, Literally any of the teams can win it except for maybe Texas. And even they are still, I mean, no (laughs) one's mathematically out of it yet. It's week four. Let's not be silly. Yeah. But yeah, Texas is at the bottom and Kansas is at the top because we live at the upside down now, I guess. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens Uh, real quickly. I I know we've been going over on time. I do want to touch on this topic real quickly with Ime Udoka, the head coach of the Celtics, who's been suspended for the year. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't follow the NBA very closely. I've seen headlines, and I I know key points. Zach, explain to me the details about what happened. I I think I know a majority of them, but I just want to make sure I have the full context here. Tell me what happened. So full disclosure, I think some of it is continuing to unfold. Um, I think there is more detail coming to light uh, that is going to continue to come to light. Um, at least from what I can tell, like there's, yeah, there's been enough you know, smoke around this that to have it just be a straight up suspension, just boom, no questions asked. Like there's probably more to the story than everyone's totally privy to at the moment. Um, but yeah, when you're the big boss, you can't, you know, have even, I mean, even though it is consensual uh, in this case, yeah, it's still a pretty rough power dynamic when you're having a relationship with a staffer, you can't do it. Like that's and, a party foul. And, and wasn't, wasn't she, it's, she was with someone too already. Uh, I don't know if she was, I know he was for sure. I mean, he had been dating actress Nia Long for like 10 years. Uh, they have a 10 year old son. Um, you yeah, know, that had been, yeah, that, that was oh, uh, you know, a bit of a shock there on. Yeah. Man, those I'm poor sure kids, like they're, the, well, they're, but... they're like in the crossfires and they did nothing wrong, man. That just, that's the part that sucks is like, yeah, you know, you yeah. know, kids in school are going to give that kid shit. Well, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's so much more that has to come out about this. But, um, yeah, it is strange to see, you know, going from straight up, you know, this close to winning the NBA finals to now suspended for a year. And who knows if your coaching career is ever going to totally recover from something like this. Um, not great, Bob. Not great. Yeah. Um, you know, the... the... The first thing I think of, like in terms of a comparison, and not that I mean, there was maybe a lot that happened in this story was the whole Tiger Woods thing. You remember that about there's there's distinct corollaries. 11, 12 years ago. Yeah, that that's the first thing I think of, because that's the closest to this I can think of. Um, No, that's that's a pretty fair comparison from what I can tell. Uh, Um, Where it evidently had been going on for a decent bit. And then it came to light. Like evidently the team has known for for a while. Here's the thing. I, I mean, a lot of people are saying it's his personal life. I get that. Uh, do you do you follow Barstool Sports at all? Yeah, every now and again. They, um, yeah. There's a guy they on there. They pop up on my timeline far too often. <laughs> there's a guy on there, um, Kevin Clancy. He goes by KFC, his, his full initials. Um, he, uh, I, listen, part of Barstool Sports is they criticize these celebrities on a personal mm-hmm. level. His personal life got out in the open when he was cheating on his wife, who has two kids with, and she was pregnant at the time, if I recall correctly. So that dude had to, you know, eat a lot of shit because the things that he always makes fun of celebrities for, he just got caught for doing. Um, And and I don't mean to compare Barstool (laughs) Sports and the Boston Celtics here, but it's just, man, when you're doing these things, yeah, it's your um, it's your personal life. But if it gets out in the open, man, good luck. Um, sucks to be you. Yeah, in that particular case, it's, yeah, there's the old proverb of, yeah, those who live in glass houses probably shouldn't be throwing stones. 
I think that lands here. <laughs> have you have you ever dated a coworker before? No. I have once. It was the um it was a student station at Johnson County, which you can to even be fair, know. I work at in an industry where it's also like almost be a probably 75% dudes. Uh, well, fair enough. That happens. But yeah, um, no, that's not a that that's a party foul in most of the workplaces I've been a part of. Yeah, I mean, we had kind of like let's just say uh she was heartbroken over the relationship. But we kind of realized like, hey, we also work in the same space and we were able to laugh it off and just uh, she ended up telling everyone. I'm like, why? Like we were able to keep it under wraps this entire time. And now that we're broken up, you just told everyone, uh, which I guess there was a rule. That does defeat that. the purpose, does it not? It, it kind of. Yes. Um, which, listen, everyone was like, hey, listen, we know, but we're not going to tell higher ups. I'm like, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's probably Mar- for the best. Mar- Marcus says as a Celtics fan, it's a tough loss if he's gone uh he turned the team around yeah the celtics i remember the celtics were kind of like it's weird like pre kevin garnett they had that irrelevant phase where uh former jayhawk paul pierce was like the longest tenured celtic who could not and he was always you know consistently lighting it up but he couldn't do it by himself they rose to relevance and then they kind of took a step back for a while and then here they are again you know competing with the warriors so they flashed back i think once in that time they brought in brad stevens who's now their head of basketball operations or something basically he's went from the head coach to the gm seat essentially um you know where the titles actually shake out i don't know or care um he went from the uh, the sideline to the front office is the point. And this guy was the handpicked successor. Um, and to be fair, I think that the front office has handled it as well as you can when this sort of a thing happens, um, where they're like, yeah, we can't be having this. Yeah, this is, I mean, I think of it from the perspective of if I was, you know, say the owner or the GM or something like that, like this piece, this is just a risk that I would rather not have to deal with. And I think that that's one of the things where like, that's just kind of shows not maybe the greatest of judgment on both parts here, where it's like, look, you're just, yeah, it's an unforced error in a lot of ways. Speaking of real quickly, before we get out of here, um, speaking of love and dating and all this great stuff, have you seen the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix yet? I have not. I want to, because I've heard it's like, yeah, it kind of redeems him a lot. Dude, the details that the guy like went he, this from what I know. Now I haven't seen the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I have a ever since football season, I've done nothing with my life. I really haven't. Um, so I gotta you know kind of turn that around and do some productive things not related to football. But uh, that's on my list. I really want to see that because the details that I know of, the guy who pulled it off, he went through great lengths. He actually contacted the woman. And said, hey, uh, tell this, we have a classmate who's having, you know, he's going through chemo on September 15th. Tell, send a video saying good luck on September 15th. And she just goes, good luck September 15th, which is the day of Notre Dame's opener when Manti Teo was there. Like that guy really, and again, Manti Teo, he even admitted, he's like, yeah, I could never talk to her live because FaceTime never worked. It's like. Dude, this went on for three years. Um, so I'm very eager to see. I don't know why. I just thought of that talking uh, while, while we're talking about like, this. Like, yeah, obviously, like that's a you know, sad story across the board. But like, it's almost a little impressive that you could pull off a ruse like that for that long. Elaine says it's good. I say so, I'm gonna have to watch it. Um, did you did you hear about his draft story? The no. area code, he got drafted by the Chargers, I think. And the area code is the same as the number as his girlfriend. 
he actually they called him and they're like yeah you're drafted by the chargers he thought it was a prank call so he hung up on them <laughs> did you know that no but that's hilarious yes. Dude, it's like you Poor cannot guy. make up that story. I remember uh, Alex, such a good player too in college. When the Chiefs had that nine and zero start with Andy Reid, Alex Smith had a play where he was supposed to do like a fake handoff to Jamal Charles, but nobody was there, and he still threw off the entire Texans defense and went to the end zone. And there were all these memes: the fake handoff to Manti Teo's girlfriend. It's just everything that you could, every joke out there, oh, yeah. man. Uh, boy, um, I'm excited to see that. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that documentary. Uh, well, hey, man, uh, I appreciate you joining me. Um, for those who have uh, been following the page, thank you guys so much for 40,000 followers. Let's get to 50 now. Uh, I promise we'll be doing a Mahomes jersey giveaway. A lot of you guys have been asking, is it going to be on Instagram or on Twitter? I will reveal that later this week after we do our current giveaway. Let's finish up the current giveaway, the last flag giveaways. Then I'll announce the details for the Jersey giveaway. So big thank you to all of you for 40 K. That's awesome. You guys are the best. Please keep inviting your friends to the page. If you guys haven't already, um, I'm trying to think uh, there was something else I wanted to mention. I cannot think of it right now. Uh, hey, as usual, we'll do a red Friday live stream. Uh, we'll do our pre-halftime uh, and post-game live stream for Sunday Night Football or whatever. If they flex it out, we'll see what happens with the uh, Chiefs situation there. But we'll be doing that uh, as the week goes on. But, yes, uh, make sure you uh, guys are following the page closely because I will provide updates on the Jersey giveaway. All right. Um, I will put my social media in the description. Uh, Zach, I'll put your uh, Twitter in the description as well in case anyone wants to follow you. If you guys are not following Zach, definitely give him a follow. Uh, so, for those watching live, I'll put on. So the... is it? It's most entertaining during football season. So yes. Um, uh, for those who are watching live, uh, if you miss any of the uh, podcast, I'll have the podcast version up within the next hour or two, and I'll have in the description Zach's social media as well as all of my social media out there. All right, I'm out of here. Big thanks to all of you guys for watching and listening to the podcast. I will talk to you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>